Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association and the number one show for the invested sports fan. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network Podcast. This is the football weekend betting recap. I'm Stucky, and with me, as always, is Colin Wilson. I'm ready to take some heat for Middle Tennessee State. Uh, Luckily, it was a very, very, very good Sunday, so that uh, eases the pain of my trip, my upcoming trip tomorrow, which I'm going to follow through. I always pay my debts to Murfreesboro. I'm driving to Murfreesboro with my dog and my wife tomorrow. What's going on, brother? I had a very profitable Saturday, but, uh, you know, I'm uh, watching Bill O'Brien punt on fourth down, down by 17, where I'm holding a live 13 and a half ticket. I've got to rely on Harrison Butker kicking uh, to China. Crazy NFL day for me that's just going to be a wash of the hands, but college continues to be profitable. So it is a good weekend. Yeah, if I, if I didn't have a profitable week two in the NFL, I, I would just retire. It would that Chargers game would have been my Mona Lisa if the Chargers ended up winning. I had a piece of money line, but I was heavy on them for the game, heavy on the under, and the game script just basically went exactly as I had predicted. Even with Tyrod Taylor hurting his chest in pregame warmups, I'm like, oh my, I have Herbert out here, and he actually fared pretty well. Other we see, we've seen some bombs at Oregon. I mean, like we've seen five INT games against some Pac-12 competition. We've yep. seen them uh, be terrible under pressure, and he played really well today. Yeah, and the Chargers defense, once again, kind of holds Mahomes in check. But you have to go for it in overtime. You're the underdog. You're a nine-point underdog. That game is huge for you to win. You, it's fourth and one. You have a huge quarterback. Sneak the ball. 
the Ravens will sneak it like a, on their own 20 up like 10 in the, in the second half. They, they just know the percentages. I, I don't understand it. Can you imagine punting on fourth and one in the same game that your opponent has hit a 58-yard field goal and the quarterback you're going up against just won a Super Bowl? I mean, what a terrible – I don't know, Bill O'Brien, Anthony Lynn. I mean, it's the same shit every year. Same shit every year. That, having money on these guys is a heart attack. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of the best reasons to back teams like the Ravens, the Chiefs. You know you're going to get the Patriots. You know you're going to get optimal decisions um, on fourth downs with clock management, et cetera, et cetera. All right, we're going to recap the entire NFL Week 2 Sunday slate. We're then going to get into some voicemails, um, where I'm sure I'll be under fire. I'm going to listen to them live for the first time. We'll recap the college day, and then we'll talk some Monday night football, some Thursday night football we have in college football this week, and uh, then we'll get out of here. All right, so let's start with the NFL Day. This week, favorites, obviously we have Sunday night football. We're recording this before Sunday night football. We have Monday night football tomorrow. But favorites are 6-8 and eight against the spread. Overs, again, 9-5 and five against the spread. Pace has been faster. I don't know if it's because of uh, no, no noise, that the environment is more conducive to offense. And there's not as much distractions on third downs. Communication is easier, but pace is up. I unfortunately pushed a Tampa under because Fournette breaks a run, and that was that was miserable. But Faves goes six and eight against the spread. But all depending on where you got the Rams line, if you got the Rams as a favorite, all fourteen favorites in the NFL this week won outright, but only six covered. The key storyline of today was injuries. There were significant injuries, and this is what was one of the, the worries coming into this year without preseason. You could tell the pre, preseason NFL was basically just like a money grab, but there are some things. You, you can find out that some things about some players. You work some kinks out, but with the shortened preparation, you saw increased injuries, you know, soft tissue and things like that in camp, and now today you have McC- Christian McCaffrey's going to need MRI tomorrow. It looks like Saquon Barkley's out for the year. Drew Locke goes down. Uh, Jimmy G is going to be out. I mean, the amount of injuries today. Will Fuller is made of glass. He gets hurt again. Devontae Adams is hurt. I mean, I could go on and on and on. So, yeah, that's something we're going to have to keep an eye on for week three is the amount of injuries. And hopefully this gets better as guys start rounding into to game shape and getting, you know, three or four games under their belts. But injuries are definitely one of the key storylines uh, of week two. But let's go through some of these games here. The Ravens just absolutely dominate the Texans once again that defense is special they showed it two weeks in a row and you know what you're going to get from that offense the Ravens averaged 6.3 yards per play where they're at 6.5 last week they ran the ball for 230 yards and held the Texans to 51 rushing yards that is one of the biggest takeaways for me with the Ravens this year their rush defense last year was a little vulnerable now it wasn't really exploited much because they would get huge leads and they would force teams to pass, and they have great a great secondary. They and they blitz. They bring everyone at you. So in the off season, they went out and they got Calais Campbell. They got Wolf. They got two linebackers in the draft. The Browns ran all over them last year. They shut the Browns down last week. They shut the Texans down this week. That defense is legit. We're not going to talk about the Browns allowing the Bengals a backdoor, even though they outgained them seven and a half yards per play to four. The Cleveland Browns have won another football game. That was on Thursday Night Football. I've already moved on from that game, but the Browns do get a win, and the Bengals drop to 0-2. Burrow has showed some promise, but I don't know how long he's going to last with that offensive line. Joe Burrow's a f***ing dog, man. He ain't no puppy. He's a f***ing dog. 
I think Joe Burrow prop. I mean, we'll have to talk to Sean Kerner about this, but Joe Burrow props for rushing totals over. I mean, the worse that that offensive line gets, the more he's going to take off. And you saw that in that game Thursday night is he's getting a tendency to take off anytime that he wants. I mean, I really think you got to start looking at his in-game props for rushing totals over. It just seemed that way with so much busted plays and no protection. Yeah, it's a good thought because, I mean, the de- that defense is still really bad too. So they're going to be coming from behind. They're going to be playing soft defenses. So I'm sure he's going to continue to put up numbers. The Bears, they're 2 and They get a 17-13 win. Luckily, Santos misses a field goal for me. I've had such bad fourth down luck, and the Bears are going for it on fourth down, up four late, and Trubisky just throws it in the double coverage. It pops up in the air, and an offensive lineman catches it. I'm like, you have to be kidding me. And then Santos luckily misses a uh, a 50-yard field goal. Bears move to 2-0. They've had to survive like two late touch- touchdown attempts uh, against the Lions and the Giants, but they're 2-0, but they don't get the cover. The Giants get the cover. The Steelers, they also move to 2-0. I had the Broncos catch on 7-0. Drew Locke goes out early. I get Jeff Driscoll on a short week. He couldn't have taken any reps with the first team. He comes in and actually looks okay-ish against the Steelers, and they end up getting the cover. They had all kinds of in- injuries at wide receiver. I, sort of yeah. a miraculous cover for Denver, but the Steelers move to 2-0. Ben... Still looks a little rusty. We'll see if it's his age or it's rust. He's making some questionable throws, and I'm going to give him a couple more weeks before passing too much judgment. And, but that defense you, is still going to be really good. What are you going to do in week three when 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 the Falcons are playing the Bears? Who who do you feel comfortable putting money behind in that game? Yeah, I mean, the Falcons, I mean, uh, the shocking, most shocking loss of the day. Death taxes and the Falcons blowing enormous leads. 99% win probability. The Cowboys, I think, were 25 to 1 live at some at one point. Heard that, yeah. They come all the way back, get an onside kick. You know how hard it is to get onside kicks in 2020? Greg DeLeg kicks a game-winning field goal, and Jerry Jones. That's the one. Like, I, I kind of like this. Like some things about this Cowboys team, and I have some friends who are Cowboys fans. I'm not like a Cowboys hater. I'm a fan of an AFC team. But, man, does it make me angry when, like, Jerry Jones is happy in the box after they pull out a bullshit win. I'm just like, damn, I, should, I wish the Falcons would have won. But the Falcons, yeah, inexplicable loss. I, I mean – they go to zero and two. Yeah, we'll see how they can recover in week three. More on that on our NFL podcast later in the week, which will be out on Thursday morning. And as always, our college football podcast for week four that'll be out on Friday morning. Um, but if you haven't already, make sure you download the Action app. Go to the Action Network podcast, rate, review, subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, tell a friend, tell an enemy. You know the deal. All that stuff helps us a lot. The Bills they move to two and zero. Make me wanna Shout. kick your heels up and Shout. throw your hands up and Shout. throw your head back and Shout. come on now the bills are making it happen now. Fitzpatrick this week, unlike last week, gets in the back door. Fitz magic. Fitz magic. Fitz magic. Bills hold on to win by three. Uh, the the 49ers. I, if there's a team that I hate more than any team in the NFL, it's the Jets. The I mean the Jets two weeks in a row. They do nothing all game. I have the under, and Sam Darnold gets a bullshit 80-yard touchdown drive two weeks in a row thanks to defensive pass interferences, uh, a missed sack. I lose by the hook two weeks in a row. I hate the Jets. They are so bad. I don't know how much longer Adam Gase is going to last, but that game goes over somehow. The Jimmy G gets hurt. Nick Mullins comes in. Uh, the Jets did nothing. I mean, you, if you remove that last drive, I mean, they had under 200 yards before that drive. Just a sad, sad performance for a sad, sad team. The biggest buy low, sell high of week three, 
it's going to be the Jets going to play Indianapolis. Indianapolis had a big win today. That line, I think, you know, look ahead lines like around six and a half, Colts minus six and a half. That's now sitting around 10, 10 and a half all over the market. So the Jets by far is going to be a really tough decision for a lot of people in a buy low, sell high spot. Speaking of sad teams, the Philadelphia Eagles, um, who I was super low on, I actually had a piece of them in a teaser. Wong teasers, by the way, on the close went 14 and 0 this week. If you tease through the three and seven. Unfortunately for me, I had one that lost because I teased the Eagles when they were plus one and a half and they get destroyed by the Rams who look really good. Again, the Rams end up winning 37, 19 moved to two and oh. Yeah. I mean, there's just not much you can say. The Rams averaged 6.7 yards per play in that game. Uh, the Eagles are a dumpster fire. One of my favorite season win total unders of the year. If you want to buy a team low, it's the Eagles this coming week against the Bengals at home. Uh, it looks like the early, early line is at six and a half. I don't know if I can get behind them. But that, that angle, though, you know what I'm going to bet? I'll bet the first half because now two games through in the Eagles rotation against the, against the Washington football team and against the Rams, they've scored three total points in the second half. They have something going on at halftime where they deflate because they can't put any points up after they go to the locker room. Yeah, that's a good point. Packers look really good again, putting up 40-plus again. Yeah, the cheese stands alone. But really, how much can I take from this game? I don't know. I mean, the Lions had so many injuries, but you got to give it to the Packers. you got to give it to Rodgers. Um, they averaged 7.4 yards per play. Aaron Jones had a huge day, and uh, the Packers just never really in doubt. They end up winning 42-21. The Titans hold on to move to 2-0. and They've now won two straight games on Steven Goskowski game-winning field goals. For all the hate that Steven Goskowski was getting, he has two game-winning field goals in two weeks. Minshew Magic was back again. I mean, you got to hand it to this guy. He just makes plays. He threw 30 for 45 for 339 yards, three touchdowns, two picks, including a, a tipped one at the end of the game. But take a look at that box score. The Jaguars had 480 yards, 6.5 yards per play. They outgained – the Titans averaged six yards per play. Their offense was very effective, you know, their, their play action against a very young Jags defense. But the Jags outgained them by 130 yards and had more yards per play. Another impressive performance for the Jags, even though the Titans hold on for the win. We mentioned the Chiefs also moving to 2-0 and already, as well as the Cardinals. Kyler Murray is just electric, man. I mean, what he can do with his feet. That was mainly the difference against a really, really, really good Washington defensive line. Um, Arizona wins 30 to 15. They move to two and zero and get the cover. If you watched Aaron Jones go up against Detroit's secondary today, they just split them all day. Like, I mean, they ran through them. Like they weren't even there. Like they were just lawn chairs set up. But if Kyler Murray gets in the open field against this back seven of the lions, he's going to take it to the house every time. Because today I felt like Kyler Murray was just toying with the defense. He was left. He was right. The ball's hanging out over the goal line. It's hanging out over the first ball. I mean, I didn't think Kyler Murray broke a sweat today. And considering what Aaron Jones and the rest of the Green Bay skill positions did against that Detroit secondary, this could be ugly. I mean, the, the line for week three right now is we're sitting here Sunday night, minus six. That's gone up from a look-ahead line. The total is 51 and a half. That, I mean, could that be all be done by Kyler Murray by himself? The Detroit secondary is bad. Injuries haven't helped, so keep your eye on their cornerback injuries. But we know Coleman – uh, is on IR, their excellent slot corner. Your bad luck beat of the day, I have to say, was the Panthers. I mean, the Panthers had almost 100 yards more than the Bucks. They averaged six yards per play. The Bucks averaged 5.9. Panthers basically won this box score, except they had two interceptions and two fumbles lost. 
So they have four turnovers. And they get at the 24-17. So if you have the Panthers, you're covering. Onside kick, you don't get it. And then Fournette breaks a run for a touchdown when the Bucks are trying to run out the clock. And then the Panthers go all the way down the field, come up short at the goal line, I think the four-yard line. So tough beat if you had the Panthers who moved to 0-2. The defense is still really bad. And now McCaffrey is getting an MRI tomorrow. Uh, the Panthers could really be in trouble here. Colts get a much-needed win. And, look, this was one of my best calls of the weekend. I said I'm, taking, I'm not worried about the Colts after last week with the Jags loss, and I'm taking a stance on the Vikings. I think this team is bad. I think their defense is bad. They got absolutely rolled. Shield your eyes. This team is officially trash. Kirk Cousins finishes 11 for 26 for 113 yards, no touchdowns, three picks, a quarterback rating of 15.9. And the Colts win 28 to 11. The Vikings finish with 175 total yards of offense, 3.7 yards per play. This was they got a late bullshit touchdown in garbage time. This was basically 27-3 late. Uh, excuse me, 28-3 late. Complete domination by the Colts. All right, so that's your week two recap. Uh, we'll continue to learn about all of these teams, and we'll talk about week three, like I said, on our NFL podcast. Myself and my NFL co-host, Chris Raybon. That episode will be out on Thursday morning. We'll start with the Thursday night game between the Dolphins and the Jags. Fitz Magic versus Minshew Magic. Um, but... Let's move on to college football. Before we get to the Saturday recap and Thursday night college football, we have to listen to the voicemails, which I'm not looking forward to, but here we go. Bad beats, back doors, and miracle covers. However you're feeling, we want to hear from you. You have reached the voicemail box of the Action Network Podcast. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. Let's check this week's messages. I'm just calling to absolutely laugh at Stucky as he loses again. Man, that makes me happy. He was on the Browns, but let me guess. Oh, the fourth down conversions are lucky. The fourth down conversions are hysterical. The penalty domination. No, you just suck. Stuck, I've been following you for the last couple of years, and you know what? You're good, man. You you do good picks. You do good research. But Jesus Christ, middle Tennessee. Uh, I mean, I know they all can't be winners, but holy were you off on this one? Stuck. Last week, you've got, we've got middle Tennessee. We double down this week. We've got middle Tennessee. Triple down second half, middle Tennessee. Loser, loser, loser. Stucky. There's a coin laundry in Murfreesboro called Duds and Suds. Duds like your Middle Tennessee bets, suds to wash the stain of defeat off of you. They've got like a little arcade in there. If you've got any quarters left over from your Middle Tennessee live bets, you can bring those down to the Duds and Suds and spend them on time crisis and maybe win a stuffed animal for your wife. Enjoy your early week trip to Murfreesboro. John from Long Island. And once again, here we are, another Saturday, and I've I'm now just drunk myself into another slumber, and I'm waking up at 5 in the morning, and I'm just reviewing my bets, and I cannot believe I invested a single cent in this Middle Tennessee State team that obviously 
doesn't know how to play football. 109 yards on 16 completions. Holy f- shit. I cannot believe I invested my f-ing hard-earned dollars on this f-ing piece of garbage team. Sucky, you You convinced me to do it again. I bet Middle Tennessee State. You said Troy had no defense. My God, never again. Stucky, what the f*** was that Middle Tennessee State call, man? Ben from Lexington here. New college football season for us. Big surprise, Louisville's frauds again. Holy s***. We're going to make money from Tyler Vick. Colin Stucky, Tim from Virginia, calling back again. I had Clemson Citadel under 57 and a half. Like halfway through the second quarter, Action Network was telling me I had a 7% chance of that hitting. Then it went to 27. Then 47. Then all of a f-ing sudden it hit. God bless the option offense in unders. Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. Colin Stucky, Harley from Baton Rouge, started my Saturday off right. Bet Tulane, 24 nothing, and then you let Navy come out of the locker room and score 27 unanswered? What the f*** you, Tulane? What the f*** is going on with this Tulane game? It's like they went in at halftime and decided, you know what, let's just stop playing football. Jesus Christ. All of a sudden, they can't stop Navy at all. Their receivers drop here, drop there, drop everywhere. Hey, Colin, so much for your humpless camels. Oh, and tell me how Coastal's offense isn't explosive, idiot. Middle Tennessee State, I have no... I'm, I'm driving to Murfreesboro. Um, it's actually my... Hun- this is my honeymoon because we've had to cancel multiple honeymoons. We got married on New Year's Eve. I haven't been able to go away with my wife. She really rarely gets to spend time with me during football season. So she's actually... Yeah, I'm too looking forward to a day trip with her. Uh, I'm going to have to drive to Murfreesboro. I'm going to take a picture in front of like the World Outreach Church. That was one of the attractions when I said what did when I Googled what to do in Murfreesboro. I'm going to take a picture in front of that. I'm going to say we'll hold a sign maybe that says "Never Drink and Tweet" and or "Never Bet MTSU." My only saving grace, I'd 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 CLV. Maybe I'll buy lunch with some CLV uh, in Murfreesboro since I bet it at three and a half and it closed at two and a half. Look, I they've had two weeks to prepare for the most embarrassing game in program history. Maybe there's these teams after this summer because the Troy defense is one of the worst in the nation last year. And Asher O'Hara is like a put up a ton of yards last year. And, but Middle Tennessee State looked like a high school team that, I mean, a bad high school team. They couldn't do anything. And then I figured, well, Troy's defense is so bad, Middle Tennessee State's going to be able to figure it out in the second half, at least put up some guard. No. So I don't know if there's going to be certain teams that just are basically punting away the season and are just. Not there. I, I don't know what the hell that was because that was embarrassing. Uh, it was an embarrassing call. Uh, and in Middle Tennessee State, look, I have one of these teams every year. It was Akron last year, and now the MAC isn't coming back, and now I have Middle Tennessee State to deal with, who I find out is playing Meet Meet. Meet Meet. This Friday now? Yeah. And then they got to play Western Kentucky, who also burnt me uh, against Liberty. Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. I mean, Pilgrim was just not good. And then Middle Tennessee State's going to play Western Kentucky at home in two weeks. I don't – you're going to have to just take my the keys to my accounts away before I even look at that game. It was an awful call. Well, I got nothing I, more to say. I'll say this. Troy had 500 total yards. Uh, the big thing, you know, we podcasted about this, and it was important to me, was what was the – 
pace of play for Troy uh, with, with Chip Lindsay down there calling the plays. 23 seconds per play, 500 total yards. I mean, everybody looks at the score, and MTSU is garbage, hot garbage. Uh, my power ratings have been adjusted. This team is flying down fast. We don't know where the floor is. Uh, but Middle Tennessee State, three interceptions, one from O'Hara, two from Chase Cunningham. Middle Tennessee crossed the Troy 40. Now, finishing drives is going to be a big thing for college football. Finishing drives is how many points you convert past the 40-yard line. Middle Tennessee only got past the Troy 40 three times. Troy, they crossed the Middle Tennessee State 40-yard line 11 times. That, that might be a record in college football. 11 times they had drives past the 40-yard line. Middle Tennessee is hot garbage, and I can't imagine we'll be on them again, no matter what. This is Akron UMass territory. Yeah, I just don't get how their offense is this bad against Troy's D. I don't either, I, because this was not the offense and the defense we saw last year at all. Yeah, fuck Middle Tennessee. Louisville goes down. Uh, Miami looked really impressive. It was a great call by you. Oh, our money line par- parlay hits um, this week. BC, Phil Jerkovic, and uh, Miami. BC looked really good. I liked a lot of – they got really lucky in the first half, but they looked really good in the second half. I like some of the things that I've seen from them. I think that's a team trending up with that coaching staff, with Jerkovic. I think the defense is going to be a lot better under Halfley. And then Miami looked great. I mean, just the explosiveness, the special teams. Miami has a kicker now, Borgalis, and uh, from the FIU transfer. And Miami looks great. And that win on national TV, you know, and everyone always wants the U to be back. It makes the Miami at Clemson game in two weeks much more interesting. First, and we'll talk about this a lot this week, can Miami avoid laying an egg against Florida State? I think that line opened at Miami minus nine. But the Miami team of the last couple of years will would have will lay an egg this yeah. coming weekend. Are they different or not? We'll find out this weekend, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, we are not jumping off the Miami train for a while. Uh, I said that this game with Louisville was all about containing the explosive quarterback and that the Miami defense – would be better at doing that. And they proved it 100%. I'm, I'm glad that turned out the way it did. And, you know, Louisville had three turnovers, a lot of havoc going on. Uh, the Miami defense has some new faces, but they're rounding into what we've seen uh, as a product of the Hurricanes. They got out to a 14-3 lead early, and they just kind of cruised. Like, it never was really in question. Uh, they just kind of cruised the rest of the game. But Jose Borgales, star kicker, Rodrigo, Blankenship, enjoy your time with the Colts. We've loved you for the last two or three years with Georgia. It's Borgalis time. It's Miami Hurricanes kicking time, a 48-yarder, a 57-yarder, a 40-yarder. So we're going to be on this Miami train a while. We'll talk about it later in the week. But Boston College, listen, Jerkovic hit guys deep that weren't covered. He's supposed to do that. He's got the pedigree to do that. So I'll be looking closer into how Jerkovic does when he's throwing into tight windows. But the one thing I was impressed with, was BC's havoc. And I mean, forcing fumbles, uh, sacking quarterbacks. I mean, Chase Bryce was uh, just pressured. I mean, pressured more than he was against Notre Dame, and that's a great defense. Uh, So the Halfley havoc, you know, Halfley comes over from Ohio State. Apparently, that's a transferable skill because we're forcing fumbles, we're doing pass breakups, we're tackling for losses. Um, What I saw from BC was for real. Now, when they face a real defense that can give Jerkovic some – tight windows to throw into we'll see how that goes but the defense looked for real louisville next goes to pit at bet mgm the official odds provider of our podcast Pitt is a three and a half point favorite 
in that game. Pitt looked, their defense looked really impressive. We talked about our, that under, really easy call. Syracuse's offense, just an absolute joke again. Look, Syracuse has no offensive line, and you're going against that Pitt defensive line. We've had a huge day for Pitt. DeVito finished 9 of 15 for 32 yards. Cole Pepper finished 4 of 9 for 88 yards. Syracuse finishes with 169 total yards, 2.9 yards per play. They do get the cover just because <laughs> the game was so low scoring. Syracuse now hosts Georgia Tech. How bad have things gotten for Syracuse? They're seven-and-a-half-point dogs to Georgia Tech. That's a hard place to find yourself. That was an easy under game. Syracuse had five trips past the 40-yard line. They averaged 0.6 points past the 40-yard line. That is a terrible finishing drives metric. Uh, we talked a lot about Pitt's pace of play, that it was at 30, 33 seconds per snap. But we thought that was a lot have to do with Austin P. Uh, and then being up 42 to zero. Quick check of the of what happened in the box score. Uh, Pitt averaged 26 seconds per play. That's a big increase from 33 seconds, but it's still a pretty slow pace. I mean, like Miami's 23, so still slow pace from Pitt. Lots of defense. So we'll continue to look at some unders where the where the numbers right. Tyler Vitt, he got the start yeah. for the Bobs and Texas State. I mean, ULM is just a mess. I think you had a bet on ULM. You got a some really good. CLV, but I couldn't. I couldn't pull the trigger on ULM. Yet I bet MTSU just because I think ULM is is that much of a mess. But any thoughts on that game? Well, we have a we have a buddy that we do college basketball podcasts with, Mike Randall, and Mike Randall says a lot of things like uh, he says take lock, and I want to put apply that to this game with Texas State and ULM. So the bet for me was two units on Texas State minus two and a half because I knew the number was going to fly, but we didn't have any information on Brady McBride and his COVID status. The number did fly. It got up to six, came down to five and a half, sat all week. Brady McBride, five hours, seven hours before kickoff, tweets that he's not going to be able to play. I think if you look a little bit farther, what's going on, Brady McBride McBride, uh, was sitting out due to contact tracing with COVID. I don't think he ever had COVID. I think he's had to sit out because of he came into contact with somebody with COVID. I cannot believe Tyler Vitt had the night that he did. Am I going to bet that that would ever happen again? No, we all get hot at the roulette table. We all get hot at the blackjack table. You have to learn to collect your chips and go to the window and cash out. And Tyler Vitt paid me. I'm going to the window and cashing that out. I'm not betting on Tyler Vitt again. I'll take Brady McBride coming back from COVID. There is two absolute meltdowns in college football on Saturday. You had La Tech comes back all the way back, even though they had some guys out with COVID, to beat Southern Miss 31-30. They trailed 27-10 late. They win it on a last-second touchdown. And then the game that everyone was talking about, which I didn't watch. I know that you had some Tulane and some uh-huh. Navy as well. But, yeah, Tulane's up 24 nothing. Navy looks horrendous again. And Navy outscores them 27 nothing in the second half to win 27-24. I missed that game. What the hell happened in that game? Tulane, 24 first-half points. Navy, 27 second-half points. In the first half, Navy looked like what they did against BYU. They looked like they'd never played a football game. And the defense was at least trying because they were committing some very undisciplined penalties, uh, hitting player Tulane players after they run out of bounds, well after they've been out of bounds, committing so many penalties, and then came out from halftime a switch had been flipped. It was just unbelievable how much Tulane quit. I don't know if it was fatigue. The rain wasn't really that heavy. It wasn't a factor. It wasn't fumbles. It was legitimate ass beating. Navy came out at the beginning of the third quarter, ran a fullback dive, and it went 
57 yards. Navy ran a 50-yard-plus fullback dive. And what that t- and, that, and by the way, that's what was the – just everything where Navy's offense was able to accelerate. They were not able to get anything on the outside. Quarterback keep, pitch, couldn't get it. Fullback dive, boom, gutted the defense. And that's what really accelerated all of Navy's points. So Tulane has a big, ga- a big, big, big problem with defending over center, defending the A-gap. Uh, so if we see other teams that are like Army or any other teams that are running fullback dive or have a lot of inside-the-guards type rushing plays, that's going to be a problem for Tulane because they got gashed. As far as Howard's also terrible for Tulane. That's why it I wasn't good. It. Yeah. He's 10, finished 10 of 25 for 100 yards and a pick. Uh, same guy who got benched three times at Southern Miss. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. Anything, anything on the roll humps? I told everybody it was too many points, and Campbell did cover the spread. I mean, they only lost by 22 points. They covered that, whatever, 26 up to 29, everywhere the point spread was, they covered. So I'm not sure why I'm being called an idiot, but let's talk about Coastal Carolina. They weren't explosive, but you know what they were? I mean, I'm looking at their PPA right now. I'm looking at their EPA. I'm looking at everything right now. Coastal Carolina was explosive in one quarter, the fourth quarter, and it really wasn't that great of a number. Campbell was also explosive in the fourth quarter. Do you know what made the difference in that bet, why I lost under 57? Coastal Carolina crossed the 40-yard line, the, the Campbell 40-yard line, five times. Do you know how many points they averaged per trip? Coastal averaged seven points per trip past the 40-yard line. They had a 100% touchdown efficiency every time they got into Campbell territory. That's what made the difference. You know, lossy under by one score, by one possession, and, and Coastal scored a touchdown every time they got into Campbell territory. So, you know, I'd make that bet again. But, uh, you know, Campbell covered, and now they've got another Sunbelt game, and, and we'll look at them this week. But, uh, you know, it's third roadie in a, in a row for them going to play Appalachian State. The, the saddest thing for me in week three is uh... – I spent most of my week either writing about or talking about Georgia Southern Houston, <laughs> my two favorite games of the week. Yeah, yeah. And uh, neither of them get played. So, yeah, we, I mean, we also had like BYU Army was canceled, North Carolina and Charlotte was canceled. So that's going to just going to be a theme throughout the year. Um, hopefully, these Power Five schools will, with more stringent tets, testing, um, will be like the NFL, like the NFL, a second straight week. No positive test, no interruptions. So, uh, but in these smaller conferences, we might continue to see interruptions, COVID line moves. It's just something that we're going to have to monitor. Let's get to best call, worst call, bet, regret. Um, best call, I mean, I'll say BC and the Syracuse under. Worst call, Middle Tennessee State, obviously, uh, and Western Kentucky. Liberty was much more impressed than I thought. I mean, they won outright as 15-point dogs. Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. Georgia State, too, was a good call uh, that I had catching 17. They really could have won that game. They got scared late coaching, and they ended up losing in overtime 34-31. But I was impressed with some of the things that I saw uh, with Georgia State and some improvement on the defensive side of the ball. Brown still has some work to do at quarterback, but that team has some potential. Every gambler knows that feeling. Let's talk bet regret. At bet regret, maybe it'll lead into you, but you had a great call on 
under in UTSA and Stephen F. Austin, which we talked about on the podcast, that finishes 24-10. I'm sitting there watching that, like, hoping for a scoring spurt so I can get in live. And But I never got in pregame, and I wanted to, and it just passed me by. So that's my bet regret of the week. And obviously bet regret is tweeting out that I'm going to Murfreesboro if Middle Tennessee State loses, and so I'm going to Murfreesboro. So you, best call, worst call, bet regret? Uh, we'll start off with best call. I got two. Uh, I'm not going to go in deeper to what I said about Miami or what I wrote about Miami, 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 Miami. It ain't going away. We're going to talk about this consistently. But I want to talk about Georgia Tech UCF over. There were some other people out there that a lot of people pay attention to that said Georgia Tech and Central Florida under was their favorite play of the week. And uh, if you had one bet to lay in Vegas, you should play that. That was a really bad call because I said you should take Georgia Tech and Central Florida over because Georgia Tech is playing an extremely fast pace of play. Uh, We know Josh Heupel, his goal as the Central Florida coach is to run as many plays as possible, to be as fast as possible. And it turns out Jeff Collins' offense there at Georgia Tech is running a pretty fast pace of play. All they needed was some offensive success rate, a couple of explosive plays, and they're going to be an over darling. Uh, that was easy. That over was easy. Uh, I, I, so, you know what? I, we will continue to look at the Yellow Jackets uh, and the over. It wasn't really about Central Florida. It was about Georgia Tech. Worst call of the weekend? Not even close. Oklahoma State. I even said on the pod last week, I make this game 17. I don't care that Spencer Sanders was hurt or he was hobbling or there's a shoulder or we're up, we're down. That number was 17. It had 22, 23. It was getting bought back at 24. Listen, defense plays. And Tulsa brought back a lot of their defense, and uh, they were able to contain, have some havoc. And Oklahoma State did not look interested. I blame Mike Gundy. You can't get your team up for that game. I mean, you've been waiting this long to play this. You even delayed this game by a week. Couldn't get your team to play at home. Pack that stadium like there's no pandemic. I mean, that that's on you guys. But my fault for, you know, my bad, taking some a team that's way over the power rating that I have. I know better than that. I think the problem was is I read too much into the practice reports that Tulsa was not being physical in practice. And they only had six padded practices. It brought me back to Navy BYU. So, man, I'll be happy when the COVID stint's done. Bet regret. I'm going to go back to it. I said on the podcast that Central Florida is going to win this game and they're going to cover this game. I know it's their first game of the year and I don't like getting behind team on game one versus team on game two. Uh, but I had a feeling that Central Florida would run away with it and they did. Yeah, Central Florida looked great. Just to go through some of the other scores here that we didn't get to, NC State beats Wake in an absolute shootout. Uh, there was zero defense played in that game um, at all the entire game. They fin- win 45-42. Since he rolls Austin P 55-20, but P gets the cover. Notre Dame just dominates South Florida. That was another bet regret of mine. I, almost, I wanted to bet the yeah. South Florida team total under or lay it with Notre Dame, especially once I got under 24 and did neither. Instead, I played Middle Tennessee State more. Uh, one of the most impressive under-the-radar games of the week, curious to get your thoughts on it, was that Marshall's win is a six-point dog. We can, I think, end the Wells for Heisman hype. It's not like he went crazy, but they held App State to seven points, and Marshall wins 17-7. Are you impressed with Marshall so far? Uh, it was a really tough game from a highlights box score, and I watched it live. It was a tough game to watch. It was a grind of a game. And then you look at the box score, and you see total penalties for both teams, 19 penalties, 199 yards. It's hard to decipher what I'm actually watching when there's just that many flags being thrown. I mean, 19 flags in this game. Grant Wells, 11 of 25, had an interception. He didn't look great throwing the ball, not like he did against Eastern Kentucky. Ran for a touchdown, uh, made the plays when he had to make the plays. 
listen, the whole difference in the game, the difference in the score, App State fumbles. Marshall has an explosive drive of two plays, 79 yards to go up 17 to seven. That was the game. But Grant Wells came back down to earth uh, from the Eastern Kentucky. We'll see how he does from here on out. But uh, he made the plays when he had to make them. But the overall box score was not pretty for Wells. We saw Clemson in action. They beat the Citadel or the Citadel 49 nothing. But Citadel gets the cover uh, <laughs> because they're close to 50 and a half point underdogs. Uh, SMU, I think, just scored again. They beat North Texas 65 to 35. I mean, oof, North Texas. And then last but not least, we're talking Minor Nation. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso. Picks up. We didn't hear from our UTEP man, maybe because UTEP didn't cover. UTEP holds on for the win. They beat Abilene Christian 17-13. They get a touchdown in the fourth quarter to win that game by four, but don't cover. Look, it's basically been like preseason college football. Week four is here. We're going to get Big 12 matchups, ACC matchups. We're going to get SEC matchups. Welcome to the party, SEC. It's about to get a whole lot better. So I'm excited to get get to work this week and then uh, talk about all this on our podcast that we will record on Thursday, be out for overnight into Friday morning. Speaking of Thursday night, we do have Thursday night college football this week. Why wait for the weekend? Strap in your fun belts and get ready for Maction. It's midweek madness. It's not the prettiest game you'll ever see, but we have UAB at South Alabama at BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. South Alabama's five and a half point underdog in this game. Uh, what do you see here, if anything? Yeah, uh, this number opened up uh, in various places at uh, UAB minus two. That was way too short. Uh, Action Network, uh, I, I published this morning on Sunday morning, projected odds for week four in college football. Had UAB uh, minus five and a half in this game. Uh, open minus two right now as we sit on Sunday night, minus five and a half around the market. So the projection that I put out was spot on. Uh, the problem is I don't think there's any value on a side runner because it's exactly where it's at. The one thing that sticks in my brain before I go into a deep dive is that Lovertich and Trotter, I don't think I can say Lovertich enough. Lovertich and Trotter were just thrown all over the place by the two lane front seven. UAB's front seven is also fantastic. So, you know, to me, that tends to an under. I'm not sure I want to back UAB at the number exactly where I have it, but I think I like the under because I think UAB's front seven can dominate South Alabama's offensive line. Fair enough. We'll uh, write up out on actionnetwork.com and the Action app. Uh, but we do have some Thursday night college football and we'll have some Thursday night NFL. We'll talk about it on their NFL podcast. The NFL season is upon us, and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign-up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. All right, let's move on before we get out of here and talk some Monday night football. 
We have the New Orleans Saints at the Las Vegas Raiders. We're going to have NFL in Vegas as the Raiders will play for the first time in Las Vegas at BetMGM. The Raiders are currently five and a half point underdogs over under 48 and a half. I got them plus seven minus 118 right as and before Michael Thomas was announced that he would be out. I thought that this number was way too high. I mean, I make this number. It's in flux because there's so many injuries to consider. And I gotta, I'm trying to get better reports on who's going to be in and out and for how much they're going to play on the Raiders side, which I'll get into. But I, I made this line without Thomas. They're around four. So I actually still see a little value on the Raiders at five and a half. Obviously, if you can get six, you might see some – some Saints money, some Saints chase money, closer to kick. That's a key number. Five and a half is a little iffy. I mean, but first, Michael Thomas's loss is e, e. I can't. It can't be overstated. It's enormous. The Raiders they don't do two things on defense. I mean, their defense is awful. There's no no getting around it. Their defense stinks. They don't get pressure and they can't cover. Those are the two things you don't want to have wrong with the defense in today's NFL. You know, their corners are all young. I mean, you have Arnett, which they reached for in the draft, and he looked bad last week. Um, and then you have Mullen on the other side, who was the first on draft pick last year. So you basically you have two really young corners, and Joyner in the slot. So their corners are really bad. They don't get pressure. Now, getting not getting pressure against the Saints doesn't really matter. They don't really get off-the-edge pressure. They hope that Crosby can bring it. But the Saints get rid of the – Drew Brees gets rid of the ball so quick. It's a quick passing attack, not getting pressure off of the edge – most teams aren't against the Saints. So that, you know, and going up against the Saints' awesome offensive line, the Raiders aren't going to get pressure. They weren't going to get pressure anyway. So that it doesn't really matter that that's a big weakness. But with Michael Thomas in there, he would have to go against either Arnett or Mullen. Now instead you have Traquan Smith. So, I mean, it makes everything so much easier. You can put more attention on Emmanuel Sanders. The Raiders in the offseason address their linebacker position. They're better suited to cover tight ends. So that'll help against Cook. That'll help against Kamara uh, out of the backfield. So the Raiders, you know, that improvement on – now, we, we don't know if Kwiatkowski's going to play or how much he's going to play with his injury. That could be big. But they still have other linebackers that are now more adept at, at covering tight ends and backs out of the backfield, which will help. The other thing that I worry about with the Saints is not only do you want to have Michael Thomas, Drew Brees looked awful last week. I mean, absolutely awful. He was 24th in adjusted completion percentage. Yeah, I mean, you say, oh, the Saints, they, they rolled the box. I mean, they got special teams, turnovers, all kinds of things. I mean, you go to that box score, the Saints averaged four yards per play. Four yards per play. It was second worst in the NFL last week. Only the Washington football team averaged fewer. So the, Drew Brees is off. I don't know if it's father time, if the offense just isn't in rhythm yet, and now you're taking Thomas out. Kamara also was not, you know, and the Bucks are hard to run against, but their offense just looked off. Now with the Raiders, they have an excellent offensive line. Trent Brown's status is in – in flux they don't know if he is going to play and if he does how much how many snaps he's going to take and that's not great the Saints do have a really good defensive line Brown's backup is a, a guy who generally plays guard but the, the Raiders still have an act one of the best offensive lines in the NFL they have a great back and Jacobs will Ruggs play that's and how much will he play will he be healthy is a huge question he was number one in the NFL last year in percentage of a team's air yards last week I mean that's that's where Carr was taking his shots but I think the Raiders will be able to, if, especially if Ruggs plays, the Raiders will be able to find some ways to move the ball without Michael Thomas. They'll get some stops. So I do see a little bit of value, I, I mean, especially at seven. Had to be taken. At six, I would still take the Raiders. Now, if you don't feel comfortable taking the Raiders and you want to bet this game another way, maybe look at the second half. There's a huge coaching mismatch in this game with Sean Payton and his staff. 
against the Raiders. I've said this on a preseason pod. The Raiders were one of the worst third quarter teams in the NFL last year. I shouldn't say one. They were the worst. They were. They gave up the most points in the third quarter, and they averaged the fewest. So their offense and their defense was awful. I think they only scored like one, one or two offensive touchdowns in the third quarter all year. So the adjustments from the Raiders, they haven't been great. So if you do see the Raiders up at the half and you want to take uh, a shot on the Saints in the second half, um, knowing that they can come back against this Raiders defense and knowing that you have a huge coaching advantage going into the second half, I don't hate that either. Any thoughts here? No, I think you said it all, especially from an X and O standpoint, especially Ruggs. I think Ruggs is such a big, important part of this handicap. But the Saints shouldn't be favored this high. If I had to give any more advice after I echo everything you say, if I had to give any more advice on this, Kansas City didn't cover. If we're, you know, you and I are recording this during the Patriots-Seahawks game, there's a good chance Seahawks are not going to cover either, which we're very public favorite. And and what you're going to get is you're going to get a big, you know, 330 Central game where Kansas City didn't cover. And I feel like the Saints are going to be the public darling. And I know I've seen this number go to six and it gets snapped up. And I think there's going to be public money come in on the Saints if you see Seattle not cover here because we chase and we chase and we chase and we chase. That creates opportunity for those of us. So, yeah, I would love to have the number you have. If I, if I see the Raiders at six, six and a half, seven, I would happily take that. Yeah, I agree. If you, if you get the six, there's definitely value in the Raiders. It's a hold-your-nose spot. You hope that rugs can go. But Thomas being out is an enormous help. There was no way that they were going to be able to cover him with Sanders on the other side with their corners. So that'll do it for us. Again, we, huge week with the SEC back, all these – conference games we're gonna we're gonna have like closer to a more robust full saturday slate so don't forget about our college football podcast later in the week out on friday we have our fantasy football podcast as always out on wednesday and our nfl week three preview pod that comes out on thursday and every week betmgm sponsors our the weekly dfs contest we have a chance to win prizes each week and then the top five each week end up going to the end of the year finals where you have a chance to win a free trip to Vegas worth over $5,000. The link is always in the description um, of our NFL preview podcast. So review, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, tell a friend. We really appreciate the support. Uh, Thanks again for joining me, Colin. And uh, it's time for us to get to work. We'll catch y'all later. Cheers. Peace out. We're finished talking.